Okay, welcome back. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Day, and with me is my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how's it going? Not bad. For for total like uh, uh, fairness to our listeners last week who could not listen to anything, it was because I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had to cancel oh, the podcast man. recording last Tuesday because my job made me cry. I'm I am 35 years old, and I do not mind admitting to you, <laughs> I definitely cried at work. <laughs> not even out. No, it was after leaving work. <laughs> Just a hot yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you held us together until until afterward, you know. Until I got to my car and then wept for twenty straight minutes. Man, <laughs> it was disgusting, uh, and was not in much shape to record a podcast. Uh, this week has been much better. I'm um, I'm having jokes. I'm, I'm t- having them. I'm not making them clearly, <laughs> but yeah. <sighs> You haven't murdered your bosses, so that's good. No, he's been murdered. Um, things have been going pretty well. That's good. And, you know, we keep creeping, creeping closer to progress here. We've got, we had truck day go down, which was always, always yeah. kind of a cute. All my teams are covering all of their trucks, although the Rays had to go, I think, all of 60 miles. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> someone someone suggested on Twitter today that, that they should turn it into this kind of like, you know, like <laughs> Death Race 2000, Amazing. kind of all the trucks have to have to race to spring training, but... Yeah, the problem is the rays are just, you know, just roll in. No problem. <laughs> They're already there. Um, yeah, it's fun. I love truck day. Truck day is like a weird, warm place in my heart where even though it's very, very cold here, it's like, okay, pause is there. They're packing up the truck. I can finally kind of see the end of winter. And that is a very good feeling. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's just kind of a nice nice little symbol that we're, you know, we're really like just over a week away at this point, which is pretty great. That feels good. Yeah, pitchers or catchers report on the 12th, so we're very close now. Yep. Oh, exactly a week. Yeah. We won't get to see any actual activity for a little, little over a week, but uh, it'll be it'll be good. I mean, we're almost there. Yeah, at least there'll be, you know, the beat writers will have more interviews. There'll be little interview clips and, you know... Little like how was your off season type features and all that and yeah that that's that's the kind of content we need to get us the rest of the way so God, we'll, we'll see, see how it goes. I see Rob is literally working right now. No, oh, no. Our our intrepid leader is writing posts about new rule suggestions from uh, Manfred. Oh Lord. Well, that's all right. Rob needs to get back to work because he was gone for almost two weeks in the Caribbean, and I'm still jealous. So. <laughs> yeah, he was sending us all sorts of mocking photos and really unacceptable. Yeah, like, oh, I'm not coming back, guys. You know, these painkillers they have down here, like, it's uh, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm just staying. And I can't really blame them, having been there a few times myself. Um, yeah, the, the Caribbean is pretty fantastic. I've never been. Uh, but I get yeah, to go to Florida in, like, two weeks, so that's close enough. Oh, that's true. You are going to spring training a little bit, aren't you? Kind of. <laughs> So the thing is, I will be in proximity to spring training, but I will not actually be attending spring training. Oh, you're not going to go at all? Okay. No, I'm going to a book convention in Daytona Beach. And Daytona Beach is just far enough from everything that it is impossible for me to go to any of the games just because they're all afternoon games. The real kicker of that is that I will be in Orlando when the Tigers are playing the Braves at Disney. But I will be at Universal Studios. <laughs> so This is not a baseball uh, trip. That's yeah, okay. No, it's kind of sad. Um, I will get to go to a... I think we're going to stop by... The friend I'm going with, she isn't a, a real 
big baseball fan. Um, and sh- it's more like it's her birthday. So we're going to go do universal. And then I have like writerly duties to attend to at the book convention. Um, but there is a minor league park right by us, like literally right across the street from where we're staying. Um, I think it's like a Jackie Robinson. Um, hold on. I will tell you. It is. Oh my God. Uh, Daytona Beach. Jackie Robinson Ballpark. It is the home of the Daytona Tortugas. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. And apparently they have a pretty cool. Um, I should have known that too. I know they're one of my like rando teams that I love the name of. Because um, it's turtles. Anyway. I knew that one, but I was thinking I was thinking Orlando. I was like, I don't know if there's a team there. <laughs> yeah, I know there is. So the Daytona Tortugas play at Jackie Robinson Ballpark, which is literally right across the water, like a strait. I don't know how to define bodies of water. I'm on the beach, which is kind of an island, but not. Um, and Florida's weird. So um, but it'll be fun, I think. So there we're going to stop. a body of water lurking anywhere in Florida, yeah. Make, maybe stop and get myself a uh, Tortugas cap of some kind and... And see what's up. Yeah, they actually have. Yeah, they have kind of a cool logo. Their stuff looks all right. Um, let's say. Well, the Tigers though have have at least made a little little move in the hat game by uh, giving us all something to make childish jokes about and re- <laughs> reducing back the size of the truck station D to normal size. Oh God! Please know how much restraint I used in not making a thousand big D jokes when I had to write that column. I know, you know, they just write themselves. Like, you almost can't help yourself. Almost, you know, you can make a joke without trying. Yeah, and then it's like, it reminds me, because I work in facility management in my life. And at one point, we had to um, switch from having, like, bagged nuts. Oh, Lord. Like big Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we had to switch from having big bags of mixed nuts to individual size bags of nuts. And... <laughs> The amount of work it took to not include the phrase handling the nuts in my email to staff about this um, truly tested all all of my restraint. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we're still children, still children at heart. Yeah. So, yeah, the Tigers listened to fans about one whole thing and are reducing the size of the giant D on the cap. But the Jersey D will remain, <clears throat> excuse me, the same as the cap D. They're not switching back to the alternating Ds, which makes me sad because that's kind of one of those fun things that you can kind of like point out when you're a Tigers fan to new fans or people who don't know. You can kind of like give them an elbow and be like, hey, did you know the Ds are different? And I really liked that. Yeah. Um, so it kind of makes me sad that they're not switching that back, but I guess we'll settle for a smaller D. Yeah, I guess we'll have to. And um, yeah, so, and well, and the other thing about that is, you know, to like, these things seem to change so much now, like everybody's so into the, you know, the alternate jerseys, the, you know, the, the just random kind of, you know, jerseys for different events, um, all that stuff, like the Veterans Day jersey, like there's just a million of them. So there's plenty of I mean, opportunities for Tigers to try and do something a little up. different. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all very orange. Yeah, very orange. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Like, you're, are, are, if I'm not mistaken, you're on the side of no more orange, or at least very little, right? I, I'm tr- I liked that really bright orange when it first came out. I think I can't remember if it was spring training or the original players' weekend where they really went in on that bright orange. Um, I love the tiger logo, 
that is on the spring training caps, like that really highly stylized tiger. I think it looks so good. Um, and I would love to see that incorporated more into a million other things. Um, I really like the Navy version with that tiger, but I'm really, <laughs> I could stop seeing all that orange anytime <laughs> now. It is, it, if you're a hunter, go to town. It's going to be a really great multi-purpose cap to purchase. Um, well, and there's so no many colors. Shoot you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many. There's brown ones. You can get the white one. You know, there really are like still just a million options out there. But yeah, I mean, I really I don't like that much orange in their uniforms. Um, I really like that that navy jersey combination like that. That to me looks pretty good. I'd like to see the the away uniform look more like that. But, you know, they don't like bold colors, you know, from anybody in their their away jersey. So we're probably not ever going to get that. You got to go that off white. Yeah, I guess I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you know. It's just hats in the end. <laughs> when really it's not I mean we make a big deal out of it cuz we're desperate for any kind of news to report, but uh yeah, it's really whatever. I didn't even know if I paid much attention to the size difference in the tees. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know, like some of the news that's come out, you know, in the last week or two since we've been on, I mean, it really hasn't even really revolved that much around the team. Um, we had, you know, Kirk Gibson um, being hired as a special assistant to Alavilo, which, you know, like he, he kind of has been anyway for years. Like he's taught um, taught base running and spring training. And, you know, I'm sure they've asked him his, his opinion about various young players and all that sort of thing all along. So it's just sort of like formalizing the arrangement, I suppose. But um, that, that seems to indicate, you know, Mr. Gibson will, will still be around for a long time to come as far as... Um, working in the Tigers organization um, and obviously still doing the color work for the broadcast. So he'll still be, uh, still be, I don't know, filling the airwaves with like bizarre non sequiturs and like weird jokes and, <laughs> and spectacular insight at the same time. Like he manages to do, to all these things. So yeah, he's been fun. And then what was the other thing? Oh yeah. Denny McLean. Yeah. The, the fact that Denny McLean's, <laughs> what was it? It's 1969. He's selling his 69. 69 Cy Young and he isn't even selling it. I I'm assuming somebody got it from him in some kind of, I don't know, yard sale. I like that's yeah. total supposition, but somebody legally acquired it from him and they are the ones auctioning it off. And I think last time I checked, it was over $8,000 and that was well over a week ago. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's auctioning off his 1969 Cy Young. So not quite as, you know, part of the Tigers lore as his 68 one, which is, I mean, of course he deserved that 68 one. Like what a season. Um, but yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. So if you have, you know, 10 plus thousand dollars um, and want a Cy Young of your very own, you too can have one. Yep. It's just, yeah, it's just such a weird weird thing to to see for sale or to like contemplate buying like i'm not a sports memorabilia collector so obviously for people like that like i'm sure this thing is like you know like gold like just doesn't come along that often but it's, it would just be such a weird item to to have purchased and like have in your house somewhere you know but, what my you know, weird I, thing that i want to have in my house is and i keep looking at them on ebay and i haven't taken i haven't bit the bullet just because shipping to canada is either impossible or insane um, <laughs> I want old Tiger Stadium seats. Oh yeah, do those They're still get really sold? Cool. You can still get them. Usually they go for about eight hundred bucks for two, um, which I mean isn't really that crazy when you think about it. Um, 
and you can get like the newer ones when they're replacing out the plastic ones, but I want like those old vintage, like wood looking ones. Oh yeah. Um, cause I have, I have a pen that's inset with wood from old tiger stadium seats. Cause I'm a fucking nerd. Um, <laughs> that pen cost me like $80. So oh, no. yeah, 800 to get an actual pair of the seats. I would love that. That, I mean, I just bought a house last year, um, and I'm slowly decorating it, but, yeah, that would be really rad. That's where I would spend some ridiculous money. Would you have those seats like outside, like on the deck or something in the summer? No, I keep them inside. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Expo- okay. No, I like how I'm like aghast at the idea of exposing <laughs> outdoor stadium seating to the elements. <laughs> yep. I, re- I realize it's in pristine condition. In, yep. in, <laughs> I realize in processing that that um, it's ludicrous, and they sat outside for many years. But no, I would keep them inside. Uh, by the way, the Cy Young Award is sold. And uh, it sold for $17,118. Oh, nice. Well, that's yeah. a pretty good haul. Yikes. I don't know yeah. if that dude paid for it, but. Yeah, right. I'm hoping he got a good return on his investment. Oh. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I think we're all caught up with Tiger's news. No. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that's been going on is that, you know, there's still been some some little, you know, everyone's still kind of talking about Nick Castellanos, even though nothing has really particularly um, happened. It's, I mean, it's the same way it was with Fulmer last year, where everyone's like, oh, the Yankees are going to make an offer. We can't refuse. Ooh, when's that Yankees offer going to come in? And honestly, there's no fancy Dodgers offer around the corner with them begging for Nick for you know, all the good prospects. We're not going to get anything we want and they're not going to trade him. Yeah. And yep, then they're not going to extend him and then I'm just going to be mad about it. Yeah. And I'm just going to hope that um, they can do the whole qualifying offer scenario and, and get that pick. Um, I don't know. We'll just have to see. Cause yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody takes those offers and I don't think Nick would, but you just never know the way things are going at the moment. I mean, um, yeah, the, the, this free agent market is so weird and, but then we have the conflicting thing, right? I don't think we've had a podcast since Al made all his delightful um, comments. Because um, Nick said he wants to work for a competitor. And Al says they're not going to be competitors. Yeah. Like, and, he, okay, and Nick wait. also you know, said that he wanted to, you know, he wanted this to happen before spring training. Like he wanted to know where he was going to be. He wanted to go to a new team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. But it bugs me that you got your general manager going, no. Sorry, uh, we're not even going to try to field a competitive team for the next three years. Yeah, uh, we're just going to focus on getting prospects, which is a polite way of saying we're going to tank. And that makes me mad as a fan. That makes me like what the Marlins signed Curtis Granderson to a minor league deal today. Yep, you couldn't have done that. Like Rob made a really valid point in one of our chats, and he was just like, "That's a guaranteed seat filler." How do you not just sign Curtis Granderson to a cheap contract? You know, here's a million and not even a million. He could probably like 725 if you get to the majors. Like yeah. Curtis Granderson just obviously just wants to keep playing. Yeah. Like bring him home. Yep. And if Nick, you know, if Nick was traded, they probably would do, you know, they maybe they would consider something like that just for fun. But um, but with Nick slotted in at right field, and you've got like guys like Jacob Robson, and then maybe you know Mister uh, Mister Cameron coming later in the year. Um, you know, they, yeah, they just don't have room for that. And I don't. It's just it's just another one of those examples of how we're just kind of in this awful 
kind of between the market place where the Tigers just always seem to be on the wrong side of things. Like when the Tigers were buying prospects, you know, prospects were getting traded, you know, for, you know, good players. And now that we're trying to do it, they're not. <laughs> and when the Tigers were trying to win, free agent contracts were getting more and more expensive. And now that the Tigers are not trying to win, all of a sudden some of these guys are a good deal cheaper than, than they would have been a few years ago. And yet we can't take advantage of that either because we're trying to just, you know, tank it out here for another year or two. So yeah, it's just it's just an infuriating spot that we're in. Like having having kind of been at the bad side of of both both trends over the past six or seven years. Can't really do anything right. right. Yep. I mean, you know, some of it's just circumstances, but yeah, it it, it is frustrating to be there. Um, you know, I, I did have we did have some people commenting. You know, really worried that like, is this does this mean that you know Nick's going to be disgruntled all year, or you know no. isn't going to play as best? And I think the opposite is probably true that Nick is going to do everything humanly possible to play his way off the Tigers as soon as he can. Yeah, Nick's so. going to be auditioning basically every single game, the same way we look at guys in September when the games don't matter anymore. But you're like, these guys are fighting for a chance to be on the team next year. He's basically going to be fighting for a chance to be on any other team, and like he's going to be auditioning to show everybody else what he's got. Plus, knowing how Nick is in that clubhouse and knowing what a player's player he is, he is not the guy to go out on a field and be like, no, you know what? They didn't trade me. They didn't give me the extension I want. They didn't do blah, blah, blah. So I'm just going to half-ass it. Nick right. is not a half-ass it kind of guy. You can, I've definitely called him out on his his actual skills in the field, but like, he's not a guy to go out there and take it out on the team because he's not happy with his contract situation. He's not like that kind of dude. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I have zero concerns about Nick on that front. Um, I, I, I don't know if he even needs any motivation, but if this does anything to him, it's only just going to make him, you know, work even harder, you know, to, to kind of prove himself and to play better right field and kind of look like hopefully, you know, a guy that a team will be in a position where they really need that bat. Um, sometime in July. I mean, obviously we ran into this with JD Martinez two years ago where similar player, um, you know, Nick's not as good a hitter as JD, but they're both subpar fielders that no one really wants out in the outfield all that often. And so we, you know, no matter what Nick does, we may be just kind of running down the same road here again, but, um, but at least if he has a good first half, there's the opportunity that a team will kind of look at him and be like, all right, we really need that bat one way or the other. We'll actually give you something. Because otherwise, there still isn't much point trading him. There just isn't much point trading him other than for the for Chris Illich to save money, unless you're getting you know an you know a fifty grade prospect like a at least a borderline top one hundred guy. And yep, it just doesn't seem like anyone is is offering anything close to that right now. So well, especially when you've got all these free agents just out there. Yep, you could sign. Yep, you could sign. Just sign. Like, oh, it's going to be so weird the the one year deals that are going to get signed in the next two weeks. Yeah. Yep. I know we were kind of even waiting for that like two weeks ago. Like, well, we're at that point, you know, people are just going to start signing. But nope, we are not at that point yet. Everyone's still kind of trying to hang in there and yeah, and wait for the, the big deals to, to start happening. Really, the only kind of notable move this week was that the... It feels like the Houston Astros moved on from Dallas Keuchel. Like, if, they were, if there was still some conversation going on with him, I think um, them picking up Wade Miley kind of ends all that. You know, they've kind of got their lefty starter, ground ball, getter, you know, kind of innings-eating type type starter. Um, I still don't know if I think the Astros are, are, are good enough compared to, to where their rotation was 
last year or the year prior. I think losing Charlie Morton is probably going to hurt them, and they haven't really done much to replace that. Um, and they don't have Lance McCullers this year, so <laughs> and Dallas Keuchel's going to sign somewhere else. Yeah, eventually, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams where he still seems like he'd be a, a pretty good fit. Like, I still feel like the Angels, like, I, I just don't understand, you know, the Angels keep kind of making moves like, you know, we're trying to piece together this pitching staff and trying to support Trout. And it's just like, but you're not, you're not even getting close. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they finally bite the bullet and just realize like, well, we're going to have to throw some more money at this problem. Otherwise, we're going to waste another two years of Mike Trout here. So maybe there's a home for him there or elsewhere. We'll see. <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the free agent market just has me so beat down and oh, I'm no. not even in it. Like I just, and I don't even know where to pin the blame, right? Like I don't, I, I read it and I read all of the stuff about it and I, I think, Oh, are the teams being greedy? But then part of me is like, no, the teams are just learning how to properly value the years of like, usable labor that they're going to get out of this and then i'm like oh my god ashley did you just refer to these young players as usable labor <laughs> and then i get so mad at myself and then also i'm like no but she's got a point and this is the problem about being an empathetic person is that you see the sides of everything <laughs> sure yeah I'm so you way. can like kind of balance everything out and it becomes so problematic because you i really do have a hard time like really assigning blame here. You know what I I'll mean? <laughs> like, you know, that's fine. I mean, a lot of people have very strong opinions about this, but I feel like there may be wrong on both sides um, and there may, there may be right on both sides. Yeah. I mean, I think there's wrong on the player side, just from the fact that they, they really just didn't see the way, the way the rules were set, were, were coming with the last CBA and even the one before that, how those rules were undermining um, free agency and, and really kind of creating a lot of incentives to be bad unless you were going to be really good. Um, and, and that's, and I think fundamentally that's the problem is, is that a lot of this is just, you know, the owners got rules in, in place to sort of, you know, to sort of set themselves up to where, okay, you know, there's no reason to, to, you know, to spend a ton of money unless you're already ready. And there's a lot of reason to be bad. There's there's a lot of kind of benefit to being bad, um, from revenue sharing to a whole host of things. And once that's in play, like once once those changes happen, then the owners are just kind of responding, you know, fairly rationally to to the to the new market, to the way the system is, is working now. And it's pretty hard to look at it and say like, oh well, you know, this team's being cheap when all the other teams are kind of doing the same type thing. Like you can't expect one group to like take a moral stance and just like start giving away 40 million dollar contracts when no one yeah, else really yeah. wants to do that but as a group they they definitely seem to have have kind of found their their limit as far as spending goes and i mean it's not like there was ever a rule that the players should get 50 percent of of the profit like that that split should be it was never enshrined in law but that was sort of the agreement after the strike and it had really held sway until like about three or four years ago when it when it really started to kind of diverge from that. So, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just kind of aggravating and, and probably isn't going to be dealt with for a couple of years. And it's also, I mean, to some degree, I mean, I think it can be overblown. I mean, it's not like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are going to get like, you know, five-year, $100 million contracts. Like in the end, they're probably not going to come in that far from where people expected. Um, I've already seen people like posting charts, you know, trying to make their point on, 
on Twitter where they show like, oh, well, spending is way down, you know, last year, and it's even further down this year. Well, but yeah, like, but profits yeah, are the right? highest they've ever been. So let's like calm right. down. Like. Well, well, right, profits for the owners are, but even like as far as like what the, what they're spending, if it even though it's declined and it looks terrible this year, yeah, yeah well, Manny, yeah. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper haven't signed yet, you know. Like you can't like putting that chart in, but while the two biggest free agents haven't signed yet, still you know, kind of disingenuous. Well, and even other guys so, like like I'm the Keuchels, they're going to be huge, huge contracts in and of themselves. I think. Um, so yeah, factoring, you can't really call the season done and and yeah. look at the numbers now. Yeah, but I mean, we, I, we maybe, do now live in a world where Chris Archer is retweeting Bob Nightingale about oh, the free no. agency market. So, <laughs> yeah, yep, you know it's bad. Well, and. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe the other part of it that that should be kept separate is the timing thing, because I've heard a lot of people trying to figure out, like, well, is there some way that we can kind of have a cutoff to where, you know, players, all, everybody has to sign by this date, where, you know, so that players aren't in this position where if the teams wait long enough, everybody just kind of has to get desperate because their life depends on this. They're going to have to move and pack up their little kids and God knows what else and all move across the country at the drop of a hat. And, you know, and that's just another way that the owners are really disadvantaging the players by just just kind of waiting them out like this. Um, and then there's also, you know, there's also the Scott Boris angle where Scott Boris likes to wait everybody out. And the whole thing is just, yeah, it's just really devolved into kind of a clusterfuck. So and it hasn't been very fun. And I'm sure like for a lot of a lot of fans out there, they're probably sick of hearing writers write about it. I've had a couple of, uh, hey, you know, stop with the politics, stick to baseball comments lately to which which are easily rebutted by the fact that baseball won't stick you know won't stick to baseball (laughs) baseball is all involved in politics constantly so there's just no way around it but i do understand the frustration that this is kind of all there is to talk about and it really kind of sucks i think for the sport in general like a lot of the other sports like their off season has moments that are exciting like oh this is when free agency is or you know they make a big a bigger deal out of the draft or all those different things and and you know, basically, we've spent the entire offseason with supposedly smart baseball writers and pundits all talking about how bad all these players are and how they're not worth any money and, and no one should spend on them. Like, it's, I don't know, it, there's just something in the in the whole tone that really undercuts any kind of in- excitement or enthusiasm or, yeah. you know, enthusiasm about star players. Um, so, I don't know, the whole thing's just kind of been a drag. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll just be happy for the season to start because I'm kind of sick of talking about that whole side of it, honestly. <laughs> I yeah, have somebody put together it, like but... an all. Somebody put together the all free agent team. Uh, um, I think it was John Becker put it together, yeah. um, and I think they averaged. I think, but based on WAR, they were like an eighty-five win team, which is insane. Yeah, yeah, that's a contender right there. You can buy a contender if you want to, and maybe that's it. Maybe there needs to be a startup. <laughs> there should be a team that just emerges right now. The thirty-first team, the lurker. DIY team. Yeah, exactly. Just get like, you know, A-Rod or somebody to, to put this all together. Um, the other, uh, you know, there was a, a piece on, I think it was the Detroit News today, and they were talking to Nico Goodrum. Um, and that's kind of like one of the interesting kind of battles that, that'll be coming up to watch the spring training is sort of who's getting the time at second base between Nico Goodrum and Dawel Lugo, because there doesn't appear to be another another option coming. Um, but I thought it was pretty interesting because Nico Goodrum had like a really good perspective on it. Like, this is my year, you know, this is my chance to like improve a little bit defensively, look a little more solid and just win the job and, and have it all year, which I thought was the right attitude to have. But we also did have a fan post, you know, suggesting that the, the Tigers are foisting Dalwell Lugo on us and, you know, just trying to push him because, 
you know, he was the key piece from the JD deal and they don't want to look like they've given up on him. Um, kind of, how do you, how do you see that shaking out? Do you think, um, Nico Goodrum is going to be able to win the job at least most of the time? This season? I think so. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think I, I might have a blind spot for Nico Goodrum now. Like, he was such a nobody to me at the beginning of last season. And then he really emerged at the end of last season as kind of the guy you want to root for. And I really like him. Yeah. He seems like a and, great, and, great person. I mean, he's, yeah, he does, does a ton yeah, of charity like, stuff and comes across great. Yep. Super dude. And he's not bad. I mean, he was honestly one of the best players on the team last year um, based on sh- like strictly numbers. I think he had the second highest WRC plus to Nick. Yeah, like, I think that's right. Um, like, I mean, don't quote me on that, but like, I'm 99% sure I am right about this. Yeah, I mean, um, he was an above average hitter. He posted a 103 WRC plus, and I, I don't think anybody else did because I know. No, Jay I think Maroney. they were the only two over yeah. over 100. Yep. So, yeah, because Nick was a 130, and he was yeah, did 103? Did you say? Yeah, 103. Yeah, I mean, that's an above average hitter by you know, 3%, but whatever. Yeah. 16, <laughs> 16 home runs, you know, 16 home runs and 12 stolen bases, like from a, for a position that doesn't necessarily, you know, get a ton of offensive production out of it. That's, that's pretty good. You take that. I mean, if, yeah, that, yeah. if you got Ian Kinsler's defense with that, you'd be perfectly happy. Be like, yep. Lock that guy up for four or five. Yeah, and years. I mean, I don't think that he has Ian Kinsler's defense, but no, he does not. <laughs> <laughs> We're not no. going to get that lucky. But I, I don't think he, what was his hold on. I'm gonna be really but, mad. If well I here's don't have the, the thing, number his number. well his DRS was zero oh, oh, at thank second you. base. Okay, thank you. That's all I needed. Yeah, um, I'm looking at it. So the I mean the DRS was zero, the the Uziar was like negative five. So maybe a little below average, but not not bad. Like the guy that was kinda at, getting pushed around different locations. Yeah. I'm not mad at that. That's something that you can see an improvement on over a season. I'd be happy to have him at like a zero or a one, honestly, like fully replacement level at those roles, just not a liability. Yeah. And to have him maybe improve his bat a little from last year and give me like a, you know, 108 to 110. Yep. Just a little more. Like, I, I feel like there's a really good player in there. And not like, you know, really good like a JD Martinez, but like really good by the standards of the team that we're putting together. Yeah. And a, a guy that you want to root for, a guy that, I don't know, God forbid, might actually have a jersey or, or two out in the crowd. You know, he's fun and he's a likable guy. And he obviously really like focused on immersing himself into that, you know, Detroit and Michigan lifestyle. I think he said he like stayed around and like lived in the neighborhoods and like really immersed himself in it. And that's a respectable dude. And I kind of want to cheer for that. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. I mean, I definitely want to root for him and I definitely want the Tigers to give him like 650 at bats. Like I want him to play full time. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's fine if they want to shift him to first a little bit or whatever, but I mean, that defense is fine. It's not great, but it's, but it's fine. And, uh, you know, so I would just turn him loose at second base myself and, and let it go. Um, that will Lugo. I mean, for me, like you just, you just stick him at triple A again and see if he can figure something out with his bat, because if he's got the power, and he's got the ability to get the bat on the ball and not strike out that much, but he just he was just a ground ball machine all last year and doesn't play particularly good defense and that's that just doesn't get it done at the major league level. So yeah, I would I would let him season for a little bit longer and uh and yeah, kinda yeah. see how things play out over the course of the year. Yeah, I'm all I'm all for it. I think that's a great way to do it. Yep. So too. Um 
the other position, I mean, really, I mean, we've kind of come down, like, I, I wouldn't have minded the Tigers signing a reliever. Maybe they'll still pick up a little bit more depth or something. But they signed, well, they picked up um, Garrett Reed. Or is it Reed Garrett? Oh, my God, I'm confused. In the I Rule already five, forgot about that signing. Yeah, so. In the Rule 5 draft. So they've, they've got him. They added Jose Fernandez, who's a pretty hard-throwing lefty. Um, who had been in the Blue Jays organization on a minor league deal with a with an invite, I believe, to spring training. So they, they've picked up a couple bullpen arms, and they let Alex Wilson go, which I kind of understand because you want to start trying the younger guys who have more upside. No one seemed to want to trade for Alex Wilson, so there just wasn't that much point keeping him around. But um, but the other position beyond second base is catcher. Um, and I think both of us would agree this is the position where we're kind of like just – kind of disgusted a little bit at the, yeah. what the Tigers appear to not be doing. Um, they keep adding, you know, minor league catching depth. They've picked up a couple veterans to stash. Um, but that's about it. And, you know. you got to do something there. I mean, I know you're not contending, but Grayson Griner is not a starting catcher yet. I mean, he played in all of 30 games last year. He's and just, we don't see that many, you know, starting catchers anymore. It's like, you know, even the best guys catch like 80, 90 games, you know, like barely yeah, you more than half. You need a backup guy, and I don't think you can rely on Hicks. And I don't know that they're ready to push Rodgers as high that and fast as that would require. Like, yeah. I, I see more of a September, like you talked about. And I think in the meantime, you need a guy that can pick up 40 or 50 games in that mix. So, yeah. Yeah, and as you wrote this week, I mean, there's there's still people available. I mean, we've talked about Matt Weeders and Martin Maldonado, um, but there's even like a cheaper kind of fallback option, which would maybe give you a little bit of of a bat kind of to put into the mix, which is Stephen Vote. Um, yeah, which yeah. would be a perfectly acceptable idea. I mean, I really just want someone who's who's a veteran who is used to handling the staff rather than like, well, we're just going to go with a rookie and a guy who isn't really a catcher. Because if John Hicks was really a catcher. Actually, you know, John Hicks, like, receiving numbers and and some, his throwing numbers aren't that good, but a lot of his other numbers defensively are pretty strong. And John Hicks is a lot better hitter than, than say, your average major league catcher, <laughs> or at least a lot of them, a lot of the backups. Um, so you would think that, you know, if they thought he could catch, he would he would already be penciled in for 80 games last year. Um, and they didn't do that. So it doesn't feel like anybody really believes in John Hicks as a catcher. And yet we're going to go with him anyway and apparently have him catch 80 games for us this year, which I just I don't understand. Because yeah, this I... is the one position, like, sec- if your second baseman's bad, all that means is that your second baseman is bad. But when your catcher is bad, it means your pitchers are worse. And um, and it just devalues kind of everyone around around them. And that's, that's why that position just should not be trifled with like this. Well, and especially with a young pitching staff, you can't mess around. Like, there are guys that are going to be coming up from, from the AAA level, and you got Daniel Norris coming back, hopefully, to pitch a full, healthy season. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And, like, you just can't. I believe. You can't half-ass a catcher in that position. You can't lean so hard on a young guy like Griner. Like, he could be amazing, and I don't know that because I haven't had an opportunity to see it, and neither has anybody at a management level in the Tigers. Like... Yeah, not against major league pitching. It's just a whole different ball game, and it's not like he did so much yeah, yeah. in the minor leagues to be like, okay, we we trust this guy's going to figure it out, you know, sooner well, or later. It's not like he did anything at the major leagues to dazzle in those thirty games. He was tall and he was fine. Yeah, he's a pretty good catcher behind the plate, and that's that's kind of about it. And he might not hit at all. 
Meanwhile, John Hicks, I think, had like a 103 WRC plus last year and a 95 WRC plus the year before. So he's basically got a full season of at bats that says he's at least a league average hitter. So if, you know, and the average major league catcher, and I know this because I looked it up for someone today, is I think it was 83 WRC plus was the, the league average for catchers last year. So if you've got a, an above average hitting catcher who's not a disaster defensively, like why why isn't he the catcher? But it just, just seems like, yeah, nobody really believes he's the catcher. And so what are we doing here? What are we doing? Yeah, you just for the love of God, sign me a veteran catcher, and I will not complain about the Tigers in the free agency market <laughs> until yep. next year. That's yep, all I want. Exactly. Just yep. <laughs> give me a catcher. I think we're all resigned to the fact that, you know, unless like a bunch of things go right, the Tigers are probably going to be one of the five worst teams in baseball again. They're going to pick fifth in the draft this year. We can probably look forward to having a pick about that high or higher again in twenty in the 2020 draft. And, you know, at that point, like, your fucking tanking should be done. <laughs> For you know? real. Yeah, We've, that'll be four, you know, top ten picks in five years, and we had the number one pick at least once. So it's like, yeah, you know, how much, how much longer is this going to go? As long as Chris Illich says it is, I guess. But yeah, you know, I look at John Hicks' defensive numbers um, on baseball prospectus, and they're a little below average. They're not, they're not terribly good. But, uh, but yeah, not a debacle either. But, you know, you combine, like, he's, he's almost 30, he had hip surgery, and he's never proven himself to really be even a, an average major league defensive catcher, and I just don't see giving that guy 90, 80, 70 games, whatever it is. Yeah, well, especially since he's going to be kind of used platoon style with Miggy at first. Like, just get a designated backup catcher. Oh, my God. Yep. Yeah, and then you've got Hicks in there as your third catcher, which is every old school manager's dream because they don't have to worry about pinch hitting for their catcher. Yeah, absolutely. They've still got a spare. Guardy can just go wild. Go oh, wild pinch hitting that's for like, Griner. Like, that's what we had going last year. It was just a gem situation. Ugh. Yep. Yep. Hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, and it, I mean, it kind of brings up another thing I wanted to talk about, which is that, which is basically like, how long do you give, you know, prospects? Because I, you know, we're heading into year like four and, and change since the deals that brought Daniel Norris, Michael Fulmer and Matt Boyd here. And I think it's, it's pretty instructive and, and like fans who are kind of like over those guys and like, well, you know, it didn't work out with them. Need to remember that Daniel Norris and Michael Fulmer are 25 and that the, the odds say that their best years are still ahead of them. And, you know, the, the Tigers apparently are, are kind of giving up on this group, but it kind of speaks to how long we might have to wait for Casey Mize, Matt Manning, etc., to to all kind of get here and figure it out. Like, it's one thing to get to the show and, and show that you're good enough to pitch in the major leagues, because we know Fulmer, Boyd, and Norris are all plenty good enough to be good major league pitchers. But um, but to establish establish yourself and stay healthy as a pitcher in the major leagues is just very difficult. And um, and every year we see guys like, you know, like Patrick Corbin was last year or Nathan Eovaldi who've, you know, had nothing but injury trouble and then finally just kind of have it all click for him at the same time. And both of those guys got huge contracts compared yep, to yep. what anyone would have expected. So, yeah, I don't know. It, I just I, I wonder if people aren't starting to give up on them too soon. I'm, I'm still not real happy with with Matt Moore kind of saying that the Tigers had, had told him there'd be a starting spot for him. I mean, I assume Ugh. that's a competition. 
But um, and that's just kind of like how they how he wanted to phrase it. But uh, that still kind of worries me. But it also points out that that next that the next wave, whenever whenever we're lucky enough to see it next year, twenty twenty one, like those guys aren't going to be ready to carry the team, which is why we keep advocating for building some structure around them so that they can help rather than having the whole burden of okay now we're going to try to contend just put on them when they're you know in their early to mid twenties. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We're gonna see. We're gonna have to see how it goes. Um, you know, you take a retrospective look at those uh, those three players and the UN Cespedes and David Price deals, and those they were all better prospects than basically anybody we have except for Casey Mize. I'll leave Matt Boyd out of that because he was undervalued as a prospect, but um, has actually turned out to be the more durable of the three. But yeah, you just never know. You don't know with prospects. And oh ugh. man, I hope yeah. Casey Mize actually works out. I, I really feel do. reasonably confident. I about, do too. Like the, the hype is I... there, but not in, in, like he's not like valued as a number one in all of the top hundreds. Like, but he's there, and I I really want to get excited about him. Yeah, I mean, somebody had him as high as sixteenth on the, the the recent top one hundred list, and I can't remember who it was. It wasn't. I, th- um, I think that wasn't Keith. It wasn't Keith Law, but he was pretty high up on Keith Law's list. Yeah, he was in there as well. And maybe that's a good way to to just move into talking about um, Keith Law's kind of ranking of the Tigers farm system because he had us um, 18th, which kind of kind of freaked freaked some people out. Um, he had Casey Mize, Matt Manning, and Daz Cameron all in the top 100. So the Tigers had more top 100 prospects than most teams. I think maybe there were five or six teams that had more than that. But uh, but he still had us 18th, which is um, a pretty pretty grim look at the, you know, the depth beyond the top couple guys. Um, and you talked to him briefly, but there, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of hard to figure. It's kind of hard to figure out how, how we ended up 18th, but it's, uh, but it was kind of sobering to see that there are still some, at least some prospect writers who really kind of look at the tiger system and think we haven't really gotten very far at all just yet. Whereas well, I mean, others where did are he like, rank, oh, we're pretty close. Where did he rank the team last year? I don't know, but I, I but I it had to be pretty far down. Yeah, so I mean, I think we got to look at it like that. Hold on, let me, I'm going to look it up because I can, um, because it's on ESPN and I have that ability. Yeah, see, um, I don't have ESPN Insider, so. Oh no, I don't have it on this computer. Uh, hold on. Oh, oh I too. <laughs> no, I don't. Hold on. Let me sign in. Uh, how does the internet work? Uh, what did I click on? Oh, I'm a 900-year-old woman. <laughs> oh, no, I don't have it on this computer. No. We know it wasn't very good, and I know he didn't have um, Matt Manning on, on the list because I gave him a bunch of grief about that. And he came back telling me, well, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen the same things, you know, you say you've seen and whatnot. And, you know, on that score, I proved to be 100% right. <laughs> Um, but no i think i i think we kind of i think the in the baseball internet loves to like shit on keith law when his lists come out but i do think that there is absolutely a method to the keith law madness and while it may not like align with some of the other lists I, i think that he he has a way of doing things that whether you love or hate it he's not ever like a hundred percent wrong and, and sometimes I think he's actually really right, which I find an interesting balance. Anyway, I think 
Yeah, and grading prospect. I mean, grading prospects is a cra- is still kind of a crapshoot. Like, other than yeah. like the top five or ten guys, like people are wrong all the time. So there, there's no reason to to kind of fly off the handle. But we really are seeing like some wild swings where some people kind of have the Tigers looking like they're you know maybe just outside of that first group of five or six teams and right behind that, which is kind of where I would I would see us, but. You know, other people are are looking at it and don't really like like the depth. I mean, they they think like Mize Manning, Daz Cameron, and yeah, maybe Isaac Prades and Jake Rogers. But beyond that, they don't seem to you know. There's there's plenty of people who don't seem to see that much there. So I'm kind of in between the two camps where I think that like the Tigers have definitely beefed things up and have some very interesting prospects. Like I'm still hyped to see what happens with Cody Clemens, and I think there are some very interesting guys in the mix. But I'm also not probably as excited about it as like you or Jay or Kenan, like where you see things in those like, you know, single A high A guys where I'm just like, I'm bored of those names. <laughs> yep. Get back to me when they're in Erie. Um, which is still a step up for me because two years ago I would not have cared who was even in triple A. So I mean that, honestly that, I was in the same shape, but it was only because the Tiger system sucked so bad yeah, to start yeah. with. Yeah. So now it's like, okay, I care somewhat about these prospects like yeah two years ago ashley wouldn't have even known what a cody clemens is so (laughs) i mean we're taking a step in the right direction and i think that part of that is because the tigers farm system has gotten a lot more interesting and there are a lot more players to actually pay attention to but i i'm not i'm not quite excited about them so i may be like i don't know i might have probably put them a little higher than keith but probably not by much. Yeah. I totally agree with his placement to the Rays farm system, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I agree with his placement to the Rays farm system, too. I mean, the Rays farm system is sick. and Disgusting. And that's kind of it. Like, there's those couple, like, the Rays, the Padres, the, the White Sox. Yeah, the Braves. And, you know, if, if there's someone else out there that you really like, that's fine. But those four systems are, you know, kind of far and away ahead of everybody else. And I would, I would still just kind of like put us right behind. And another problem with this is ranking by number rather than like sort of like this group, that group, etc. And I don't know if I, I, I assume Keith must have some kind of process. The problem with his his lists and and rankings is that there isn't that much explanation. Yeah. And I was te- I was giving him some grief, you know, obviously because like you know the Fangraphs guys, I really like the way they do things. I like the way they kind of articulate every detail of why they have this guy here versus that guy and their whole scouting process. So I'm a little bit bigger fan of those guys. But one thing I would say to people is that Keith Law does not have it in for the Tigers. Like Keith Law <laughs> doesn't have it in for any team. I think yeah. that's a huge thing. Or Keith Law has it in for every team, every I guess team. is another way. Yeah. He either hates them all or he just does not care. And I think that's a really weird thing is that everyone is convinced that Keith Law hates their team. Yeah. Keith Law does not care about your team. <laughs> Keith Law is making his lists and he's talking about baseball and he's going to go watch some Oscar movies. And yeah. that's Keith Law's life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, like MLB pipeline and stuff like, you know, Keith Law is independent. He's been doing this a really long time. He kind of got into this, like sort of ahead of the, the whole like prospecting prospect scouting industry that's grown up over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, you know, where is it used to just kind of be baseball America and baseball prospectus and whatever they said, you know, people kind of 
took it as gospel. Um, you know, Keith got in there pretty early and he's, you know, he can do what he wants over there. Um, and he talks to a lot of people. So it's worth paying attention. Um, just, you know, you, people just need to not fly off the handle too, too much. Yeah. Like the players are what they are. And, you know, by the end of the, this, this season, we'll have a lot better idea where things stand. So in the meantime, don't be mean to Keith Law, because even though I think his, his ranking here was pretty bad, like pretty pretty far from reality, um, I really like Keith Law, and Keith Law and I have you know many uh, many tastes in terms of music and books in common, and he generally seems like a cool guy. So I'll leave it there. Very good. Um, yeah, that, 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 this is just kind of that that time of year where, especially for a team that's rebuilding, all there is to talk about is the farm system, and it can be infuriating because we just keep saying the same things and going over the same territory. Like Co- <laughs> Cody, who's who works for us on the site, uh, was giving me some grief the other day just because, like, I I was just like, you know, given the shortest answers to all these things, and he's like, "Well, you got to think, but this, 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 and this," and I was like, "Dude, I've written all that like a thousand times this offseason. I can't." <laughs> I can't break down every point every time again. You're just going to have to trust me. You know, follow me along a little bit. I just don't care anymore. I know. I can't do it. The winter is long. I need to see the baseball. Um, yeah, okay. And then we, we talked a little bit about how free agency is, is going awry. And one of the solutions that's been proposed by a lot of people is just that, that, that players should probably just be getting paid younger because they're getting drastically underpaid with the expectation that well, you'll make all that up in free agency. And now that owners and teams have decided, no, you're, you're not going to make all that up necessarily in free agency. The, maybe the best thing to do is make it five years of control or you go to arbitration earlier. Well, and along those lines, yeah. And along that line, Carlos Correa and Tommy Pham both won their arbitration hearings <laughs> today, came out ahead. Tommy Pham's reaction is the best thing I've seen on Twitter all day. Well, it was the best thing I saw on Twitter up until I saw the reaction of Nancy Pelosi applauding Donald Trump at the State of the Union. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so we are good. recording this as the State of the as Union the State goes of the on. Union is happening. Thank but God. Up to, up to that point, the best thing I saw on Twitter all day was Tommy Pham immediately after leaving his arbitration hearing posting a screen cap of the song Got Paid with <laughs> 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 a little like prayer hands <laughs> yeah, i know Just it is like, kind of funny that that they came out and like you would announce that it's like hey everybody i got i got my five million so <laughs> so good yep carlos Perez um, was more boring he just uh, he just gave thanks to god for yeah getting him lots of money because god loves carlos correa more than he loves us well obviously i mean the natural gifts the beautiful oh, no. fiance, the World oh, Series ring, the He does um, have a beautiful fiance, I must like I mean, he's not having a hard life. I mean, I can't say that. He might have had a very difficult life prior to this. Yeah. I'm not, you know, close with Carlos Correa. But he seems to be doing very well for himself now. Life seems to be going quite well. Yeah. Maybe not Justin Berlander well, but you know, no one can no one else can have that much. I mean, that's just too much for most people. Um, but and also the other okay, and the other part of that was that Nolan Arenado set the record for a arbitration eligible player by getting twenty six million dollars out of the Colorado Rockies, breaking by three million dollars the previous record held by Josh Donaldson with the Blue Jays. Oof. So so maybe those things are all kind of a little bit of indicators that the arbitrators <laughs> and the people who make those estimates are starting to realize that like this is where they things kind of have to start to give um, yeah, yeah. for things to to be rough kind of, you know, at the back end of guys' contracts. Um, we had some fun today talking about um, our, our esteemed colleague, Bob Nightingale, 
who was was on Twitter raving about Adam Jones and how he's still an elite player. <laughs> we were just all like, ah. He's, he's not bad. He was, was really yeah. good at the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, and I love, I love Adam Jones. Like, great dude, you know, absolutely like, you know, a guy who's done a lot for kind of the city of Baltimore and is sort of an institution there. Yeah. Was a really good player for a long time, but he's basically Curtis Granderson now. Like, the mm-hmm. guy who part-time as sort of like your player coach type 25th man might be a good dude to have around. I, I wouldn't be opposed to the Tigers adding Adam Jones as no, the 25th no. guy. He's what, 33 now? Yeah, I think 32 or three. Yeah. Uh, Hasn't I really mean, been good in a couple seasons, but, um, but you know, just, just would just kind of be that dude to play corner outfield part-time and, you know, kind of mentor Jacoby Jones, Daz Cameron, Chris yeah, Stewart. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Tigers, are you listening? Let's do this. Go, yeah. go sign me a catcher, and go sign Adam Jones. I know. See how you've broken us down, Tigers, to the point that we're just like, hey, spend just spend five hundred thousand on this one guy, would you? It'll be fun. At least help us out here a just little bit. Give with me some, some joy. Give me some fun baseball. Yep, I miss okay. fun baseball. And on that subject, like, what where are you going to look for for fun baseball from the Tigers this year? Oh, uh, Jacoby Jones. Yep. Jacoby is, I think, a pretty good point to look at. I, I want to see fun from Mikey Matuk this year. Yeah. I feel like he's got fun in him. I think Nick might be a lot of fun, especially if he's trying to audition for, you know, his free agency. Yep. Um, I think Nick's going to have a really hot year at the plate. Um, I do too, I actually. going to be I comical was- in the field, but I think he'll be fun at the plate. I think he'll be better. I'll say he'll he'll be better in the field. Maybe not I, a lot, but better. I think somewhat. I think I would agree. I think you can't continue in the same role for that long and not improve at least a little bit. Um, I'm not expecting leaps and bounds, either literally or figuratively. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think he will be better, and I think he's going to be super fun at the plate. Um, I think Maggie's going to be fun at least for the beginning of the season until he gets hurt. Knock wood. I'm actually knocking. Uh, I like I like the lineup at the at the top of the order, you know, at, as long as everybody's healthy, however long that lasts. Yeah, but I mean, there's going to be injuries. Jammer Candelario, Kristen Stewart, Nick, Goodrum, Miggy, like that's not bad. That's not that's not bad at all for for five guys. The, the some, other four not so good. Some dingers. It could be entertaining. Um, yeah, I mean, I think out in the field wise, Jones is going to be a lot of fun. Fingers crossed that Matic has a good season because I mean I don't even care production wise, but he can be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's one of those. Hot, those he's good. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those guys that kind of catches you. I like I love you know the dugout interactions with him and Fulmer, and I I love that level of thing. So give me fun dugout goofiness. Give me you know give me this season suit and tie. Give me yeah. something like cute i mean let's we're not going to put on our playoff goggles but like let's do something yeah can uh, we get you know can we get some rally goose type content yeah, at least oh, out of this like some do fun you remember how fun baseball was with rally goose yeah and the Gates. tigers were playing good like up to the, there was like a month where that whole that whole thing was pretty fun and yeah you know mikey Montuk, like i think what is he 29 now like it's kind of got to happen like if he's gonna gonna be around you know, for, for much longer. And the dude still has the athleticism to play a good outfield. He's still got power. He's 29. That bat just, just disappears sometimes. And it's freaking weird. <laughs> it's just weird. Like and I know they got, worked on it when he got good Mikey Montuk, like all the time, he'd be, he'd be a really solid player. Yeah. They did work on it when he was demoted to AAA last year. So I'm hoping to see that some of that might've stuck. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I think, 
I think with any bad team, you can always expect that there's going to be some entertainment there. Like, even when the Rays got off to a shitty start at the beginning of last season, watching Malik Smith was just a delight. Like, oh, yeah. Just a goofy, fun on-field presence. And I think the Tigers have a lot of opportunity for that. I think you've got these guys that are are young enough that have a little something to prove, even if the team itself isn't winning. And I think there's definitely going to be some stories to watch there. Yeah, and beyond, like, say, like, Miggy and Zimmerman, like, we're kind of on to a, a whole new generation of player. And, you know, we should kind of see some of those guys starting to to kind of forge their own identity, I would think. And, you know, we're not going to get, like, the, the top prospects so much this year until maybe later. But there are some interesting players at, at the who were at the AAA level last year or AA level who will come in and kind of help out. And then you've got, you know, year two of at least full season of Jamer. You've got Kristen Stewart. Like, there, there's there's a bit of a youth move, movement coming. Um, I don't know if Grayson Griner ever really works out as a starting catcher, but... Yeah, there, there's some stuff like that to kind of look forward to. And I actually think, like, the the starting pitching staff and the bullpen could surprise a lot of people and actually be pretty good. Um, I wouldn't go betting on it because so much depends on injury. But, um, you know, seeing Joe Jimenez hopefully take another little step forward. Um, you know, seeing what Shane Green has, has to offer this year. There's, you know, there's a couple good guys there. And there's a whole bunch of interesting arms. There's Drew Verhoeven, and Victor Alcantara, Sandy Baez. Um, there's a, there's a lot of interesting guys out there and we still have the, the glories of Blaine Hardy, hopefully to look forward to. Yeah. So you, you could piece together a pretty solid bullpen, I think out of that. And then, you know, maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe Daniel Norris and Michael Fulmer stay healthy this year and the rotation surprises people and is actually like, you know, actually kind of good. Not great, but kind of good. Kind so. of good. I'm, I'm all here for kind of good. I would totally be fine with kind of good. Yeah, could someone just just break out? Like, if we just had one player like have a like a big time breakout season too, that that would really help. Like, Leonis Martin didn't exactly have a huge breakout last year, but seeing him like play the best baseball of his career for three or four months was really fun. Same thing with Alex Avila the year before; it was sort oh. of like, oh, just give me that juice. I just need that juice for a while. <laughs> just something fun. Yep. Yep. A little more fun would be good. Um, you know, this isn't so much fun, but you know, this this just struck my, just reminded me of this for some reason. But Texas, the Texas Rangers have gone to synthetic turf for this for this I season. Heard about that. I just wanted to mention that because I was just sort of like, oh, that's kind of crazy. But then uh, then our buzzy our buddy Lizzie Strom who was kind of like, oh, that's actually a really good thing because as it turns out, synthetic turf is actually much better for the environment, which you wouldn't think it at first blush, but because they don't have to water it in Texas and all that. I guess, you know, I guess overall it's a net gain. And it also is like an interesting turf because it's longer. It's sort of, lo- it looks more grassy. So I'm kind of curious on that score just to kind of see how that works out, actually. That's like a total non sequitur, but I, <laughs> it was just like, it just struck me. I saw a note about that um, in my email and was just like, yeah, Texas synthetic turf. Not the two things I would have thought would go together. Can I, I have, speaking of Texas, I have a confession to make that's going to make a lot of general sports fans really judge me. Oh no! <laughs> I did not know. Is this about Tony Romo? No, it is not. It is about the fact that until probably two months ago, 
I did not realize that the Houston Texans were an actual team. <laughs> like, I honest to God thought that there was one football team in Texas and that it was the Dallas Cowboys and that was it. I, If you had told me that the Houston Texans were a thing, I would have been like, that's funny. You made that up for a movie. That's not real. And which is super funny because I follow J.J. Watt on Twitter. I think he's a cool <laughs> dude. I yeah. know he plays football. It is a thing I understand. And yet it did not connect that he played for the actual Houston Texans. This is like a deep shame for me that I've only just recently realized <laughs> Houston Texans are a real thing. No, so. no, don't worry about football. Don't, you know, football just make you sad. Oh God. If, if challenged to like a million dollars, like if somebody told me they would pay me a million dollars to name every football team, I could not do it. I can tell you that right now. Oh, so what does Canada, Canada do like Sunday night? Well, we have the CFL. You just went out with your. You, you just uh, went out with your lives, like yeah, like oh, this isn't that interesting. Yeah, I could probably name all the CFL teams, but nobody cares about the CFL. No, I don't even really care about the NFL that much. No. <laughs> so, I mean, so that's sorry. the thing, right? Like, I I could probably name half of the minor league franchises for baseball, but <laughs> like naming all of the actual football or like basketball teams out there. I could not do it to save my life. Uh, yeah, I could do it, but yeah, I, it might take me a little bit. Yeah. Um, all right. We're kind of getting toward the end. There was one, one thing I wanted to note for, for people is if you, this, this is just a really cool project that Rob, Rob Friedman, who is our boy, the pitching ninja, um, you can find him at Pitching Ninja on Twitter. But he started this um, this program kind of called Flat Ground, and it's it's an account on Twitter where young like young pitchers, um, unsigned, you know, hopeful kind of former pros or amateurs can all kind of send video of themselves um, throwing in a cage or wherever off a mound and get feedback from coaches. Um, we've also seen like. MLB players like drop in there. I mean, it's like the kind of place where you'd see like a Mike Clevenger or a Trevor Bauer stop in to give someone a, a bit of advice and all those sorts of things. But it's actually just really blown up. And it's just such a cool idea because I, maybe I'm a little bit sensitive about this, but when I was growing up and trying to figure out how to be a pitcher, there was just no instruction or information available. Like this was still like the eighties when they were telling us like, no, don't lift weights. Don't work out. Like don't, <laughs> don't do any of these things. So I'm, I'm sensitive to, to the idea of a, a site like this that kind of democratizes that kind of information and, and that access to coaching and that's kind of what they've done there. And it's just been really, really a cool account to follow. And we've actually seen like teams kind of following those accounts and picking up some of these guys on minor league free agent deals. Um, my that's buddy, cool. Uh, yeah, my buddy RJ Anderson um, over at CBS Sports wrote a piece about Chris Nunn, who the Texas Rangers picked up last week. And he's a guy who had kind of washed out of baseball a couple years ago um, as a left-hander who'd kind of had some injury injury issues and stuff and he posted um a gif of himself throwing 99 miles per hour as a left-hander and um yeah and that thing just got retweeted everywhere like how is this guy not pitching somewhere you know people freaking out um and so he got signed pretty quickly and rj has that story over there that's worth worth looking up but it goes all the way down to seeing like little like eight nine ten year old little leaguers um throwing and getting kind of like basic coaching advice and stuff um for their you know sent to their parents and stuff so that's a cool thing if you're if you're involved in youth baseball at all or you know kind of at any level. Um, we've seen college coaches on there recruit players from it. Um, it's a good thing to know about and a pretty cool site to follow just um, just for all the fun content apart from just the occasional like holy shit who is that guy yeah. moment that you have like Chris Nunn provided for all of us. So no, it, that's check, awesome. Check that out. 
Yeah, the flat ground app. Um, we love Rob Friedman here. I have my my pink pitching ninja. Well, I guess it's red, but it's kind of pinkish. Pitching ninja shirt. I finally got in the mail, so I'm pretty. Oh stoked man, about that. I don't have a pitching ninja shirt. Ugh. Yeah, Rob, Rob, Rob would probably give you one. Like you could probably get free swag. I had to buy mine, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we love it's Rob. He's a good man. And then finally. Finally, the last thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, which is really just to give like a shout out to um, to my friend Lynn Henning, who um, is right, retiring after over forty years at the Detroit News. Um, he basically retired um, at the beginning of this month. Um, you know, Lynn's like covered every sport. Um, he's covered you know things from like fishing to cross country racing to you know baseball, basketball, and everything in between. Um, there, there was really a great retrospective he wrote um, for for the Detroit News as he was leaving. And kind of told a whole bunch of stories from from his career. Um, there's a really for Tigers fans in particular. There's a pretty cool and interesting story about him. This run in that he sort of had with Maglio Ardonias and um, Carlos Guillen in a hotel bar, maybe about a decade ago. That was that was pretty interesting um, and kind of you know just just kind of enlightening on what it's like to be like a beat writer and kind of in that that zone where. You know, you actually have like these high powered athletes get really, really mad at you and you have to like always be <laughs> in that space, like balancing, you know, wanting, you know, needing to tell the truth to the fans and, and bring the, you know, the proper perspective to the fans, but also, you know, to try to appreciate like what's going on in those guys' personal lives and, and, and try to balance all those things. Um, but beyond that, there was just a host of good stories out there. And um, Lynn Henning has been a, a pretty good friend to me. Um, you know, we started kind of chatting, um, you know, just, just texting and stuff a couple of years ago and, um, had a lot of great conversations with him. He's just one of the more gracious, like intelligent, like widely read, super knowledgeable cats I've ever come across. And I've always kind of loved his writing. Yep. He really is. He's kind of that last of that, that old breed that, that would get a little bit purple and kind of just run with it. Kind of like the Roger Angel vibe to to his work, which I remind everyone, Roger Angel, well, almost 98, I believe still alive. Still writing about baseball. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a guy we should try to get on here. <laughs> I don't know. Holy shit. Do you think Roger Angel would be on our podcast? I don't know. I'm not sure if Roger <laughs> Angel has, has Skype. Probably not. <laughs> I'm going to guess not, but you never know. I don't want to judge. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Lynn, Lynn's not of that vintage, but um, just, just kind of seeing like... You know, we're we're just in such a weird place where you're not going to see guys like write for a, a newspaper for twenty, thirty years and kind of be able to kind of carry the whole history of a of a regional you know sports market in their head the way the way Lynn has. And um, you know, we've seen Tom Gage, Joe Falls, like kind of all those classic columnists um, retire. And and in Joe Falls' case, pass away. And um, you know, Lynn's got many more years, good years ahead of him. I know he's got plans to to write um, uh, at least one book that he's oh, that he's kind of thought about, and um, and a bunch of other things. And you never know, like maybe he'll he'll just get bored this spring and be like, out oh, of hell with it. You know, have the the athletic send me to spring training <laughs> at least. Um, and I and I hope that stuff comes to him because he really is kind of a you know a professor emeritus of uh, sports journalism. And so yeah, I just just want to tell him I love him and uh, and yeah, thanks for for all the the good work and the good advice over the years. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, all the best to him because he's really you're really going to be missed. I think in a lot of ways, like whether you loved or hated his philosophies on things, Henning was a tremendous writer. Yep, yep, absolutely, and yeah, you know. There's always, you're just always in that spot where, you know, 
half the fan base hates your guts and calls you a homer, and the other half is like, you know, you're you're the man, and you know everything you say is gospel. And when you're wrong, then they freak out. So, <laughs> yep, it's a tough spot, and uh, yeah, he's handled it with more grace than most. So, yep, love him. Um, I think that's about it, though. I don't I don't really think we have too much else. Yeah. I was kind of going to bring up Rob's uh, article about the pr- Rob Manfred proposed rule changes, but we'll probably save that. Rob on Rob. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. I think it's fair. All right. Okay. Um, I hope you have a good week. I hope yeah. uh, work, work is better. I sincerely hope nobody makes me cry this week. That would be great. They better not. I'll come up there. Just threaten them with that. Brandon <laughs> will come up here. Oh, somebody from Michigan come and beat you up. It'll <laughs> be fine. No, it's all right. It'll be fine. Uh, plus side, uh, I ordered my camera for my YouTube channel yesterday. Um, so I'm pretty excited to start recording that. You can yeah. still donate to that, by the way, until the end of this month. It is uh, go get funding. Uh, help me start my YouTube. Yeah, just go to my I Twitter or reply to this podcast and I'll give you the link. Um, it's, it is my pinch tweet on Twitter. Um, I'm not going to hit my goal, but the fact of the matter is everything that's been donated so far has gone directly to pay for this camera, um, which has been a huge, huge help. And I have all my lighting and my mic and my, my software. So I really awesome. am good to go. A uh, buddy of mine is going to maybe do some intro music for me. And I think all the last thing I have to pay for is maybe some title cards. So I'm pretty hyped. Sweet. excited to get started yep i'm pretty excited to see what you do with it yep and um and yeah like you have everything but um but some of this you had to finance out of your own pocket so if you can help please visit ashley's twitter at 90 feet from home and you can find the link to um to donate a little bit to the cause there and we will see some awesome like youtube baseball explaining content coming before yep. too long hopefully starting a in, while. in march at this point is my goal yeah, um, so I'm really hoping to get that started. It'll just be a matter of I have to record kind of a couple episodes at a time and then figure out how to edit them. You think the wedding photographer of 10 plus years would know editing, but Adobe Elements is a whole different beast than Photoshop, my friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pictures is one thing. Videos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little but. trickier. Yeah. I'll get All right. it. Yep. And if you're a support. A uh, fan and supporter of blessyourboys.com and would like to help us out with a little bit of a financial contribution, please head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash blessyouboys. Um, you can sign up to donate in monthly increments or a one-time donation, um, whatever you'd like to do. And anything that you can help us out with um, financially over there would be great. And so I'll just throw that to you all and we will uh, we will see you next week. And I guess that's about it. <laughs> next week when pitchers and catchers report. Please. Oh, finally. Finally real baseball. I'm It'll super stoked. All right. Woo. All right. Everybody have a good night. <laughs> good and night. we'll talk to you next week. Night, Ashley. Bye. Bye-bye.